It is good to be with you. Um, I'm really excited about today. If I haven't already met you, or if you're a first-time guest, first of all, I want to say welcome home. Secondly, my name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors here at Meadows. And I'm telling you, you, you've walked into something where if you let it, God is going to do something supernatural today. We, this series that we've started just last week, it's called The Core. Say The Core. The core, you know what a core is, it's the center of something. There's the core of fruit, there's the core of the earth. And what we know is that if the core is solid, if the core is healthy, what is around the core will be solid and healthy. What comes from the core will be solid and healthy. And that's what we're looking at in the church. That's what we're looking at today. Like one of our core values as a church is excellence. We say everything we do, we do well. We set the bar high, we aim even higher. Unless it's video production, then, then it, you know, that, that's different. That's just kidding. So we rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over the technology in this place. We're going to get it going. We're going to rock this place. But whether that works or not, God's still in this place, and he's going to do something supernatural. I believe it with all my heart. So, but excellence is a big deal, and we're talking about it today. But God has a lot to say about excellence. Because I just said, we set the bar high, we should aim higher. But I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, we look at our lives, we look at our relationships, maybe we look at um, what we settle for in life, and I think we do settle too much. Like, I think we set the bar too low for ourselves. I love this time of year because we set goals, we set resolutions, and I think that's great, you should have goals. But sometimes I think we, we're, we, don't, we don't expect enough out of ourselves. Or we don't understand the power of the God that we're serving and that what he can do in our life is supernatural what he does. You're going to get a taste of it today. Turn to two people and say, this is going to be excellent. Tell two people, this is going to be excellent. God's got a word. It's going to be excellent. Where do we look for excellence? Where do you look for excellence? Some of you look to Pinterest for excellence, don't you? Yeah, yeah, right? Isn't that where you go? I mean, excellence, Pinterest. You got to go there. Um, I had a few pictures, but I'll, t- I'll describe one. One is, um, like, like when it comes to birthday cakes or birthday parties, we go on Pinterest and we'll look for a beautiful picture of a cake. And there's this Elmo cake. You know who Elmo is, right? That red little demon? Yeah. So Elmo, and he looked beautiful and great. And then, then there was this other picture, and Elmo... I don't know. It looked like he'd possibly been smoking crack for about seven days in a row. He looked, ho- he looked bad. I'm just saying. It wasn't good. And uh, you could see the difference. But my point in doing that is saying we look at Pinterest or we look at something and we see excellence. And then we try to do it and it doesn't look excellent. And we put our hand on it and it's all jacked up. But the problem is, is sometimes I think we're doing it in our power when God wants to do it in his power. Because how many of you know that when you, when you add God to what you're doing, it brings natural to supernatural? And that's what he wants to do today. He can, take, he can take our good and he turns it into his excellent. And that's exactly what we're talking about. God's got such a word. Um, so let me do this. Let me do this. Um, when it comes to excellence, this is what I already know about you, even though I may not even know you yet. I know that you want excellence in your life. You do. You want an excellent life. You want your teachers to be excellent, your schools to be excellent. You want your family to be excellent. You even, we even want to look excellent, don't we? And some of you are thinking, well, it's not about outward appearance. Well, I would say to you this. When you see a group photo, who's the first person you're looking for? It's you, right? And if you don't look good, that picture's coming down, right? It does matter. We want to be excellent. We want to be excellent. And God's word like, if you missed last week's message, or maybe you're new, you've got to go back and watch last week's message. My pastor was actually here giving the message, and uh, 
He boldly brought the word and talked about the importance of God's word. And so many of you committed to reading God's word for 10 minutes a day. And I believe something. You've heard me say it and you'll hear me say it 20 years from now, 30 years from now. 10 minutes a day in God's word for the rest of your days will change your days. I promise you. I grew up hearing about God's word. I just didn't read it. And all of a sudden I started to read it and it, I, I thought, this isn't going to change my life. How is reading the Bible going to change me? The number one way I've grown closer to Jesus is by reading and reflecting on his word. I kid you not. So it, maybe you've committed to that last week and you've gotten off track. I'm telling you, today is the day you get back on track. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. But today we're going into God's word and we're getting in there together. If you brought a Bible or you got a mobile device, go to the book of Matthew. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. The New Testament, that begins when Jesus came to earth as a baby. It begins at Christmas. Old Testament is before Jesus came to earth as a child, right? So New Testament starts with the Gospels. Gospel, that word literally means good news. And the, trust me, the story of Jesus, it's incredibly good news. So Matthew is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Matthew 26, we're going to look at verses 6 through 13. And we're going to go to some other scripture too, but that's where I really want you to station. And I know we don't have the words up, but trust me, I'm going to read it nice and slow. You're going to take it in either way. So let me set it up. So Jesus is towards the end of his ministry. Jesus is getting ready to die for you and I on a cross. That's what he did. Maybe you don't even know that today. You're going to find that out, and you're going to, you're going to know so much more about your heavenly Father. That's my prayer for you. So Jesus, it's, it's, it's not long before he's going to the cross. And, and this is what it says. It says, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon. It says Simon was a man who previously had leprosy. Quick question. If Simon previously had leprosy, that means he doesn't have it anymore. Okay, so back in the day of Jesus, there's no cure for leprosy. None. So we, we miss these details sometimes. I know I have in the past. But it, it says the man previously had leprosy. He doesn't have it anymore. He has been touched by the hand of Jesus and healed by Jesus. Bible doesn't say that, but we know it because he had it and now he doesn't. I'm telling somebody that for you to know that when you get touched by Jesus, when you get impacted by Jesus, I'm promising you, your life is going to change and you're, you're going to want to get closer. Simon wanted to get closer. He's like, Jesus, come to my house. Come eat with me. And Jesus was there. You, God wants to impact you. God wants to do something in you. And I promise you, if he does, you will want more of it. Simon did. Gosh, that's verse one. We could be here a while. Here we go. Verse two. While he was eating, a woman came into the place. So this woman comes in with a beautiful alabaster jar. Alabaster, that's just a, 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 like a, a crystal, something beautiful, like a crystal mineral. So it's a beautiful jar of expensive perfume. And this anonymous woman, she busts in and she pours it out on Jesus' head. That's what the Bible says. Pours it all over. The disciples were indignant. Indignant, that means they were ticked. Literally means they were mad because something in their head is saying, that isn't fair. That's what indignant means. It means something is happening and I don't think it's fair. That's what the disciples are saying. So they're saying this woman has done this. The disciples are indignant. And one of them said, what a waste. What a waste. That could have been sold for a high price. That money could have gone to the poor. But Jesus, say, but Jesus, but Jesus, those two words will change your life if you let them. But Jesus, aware of this, he replied. He says, why do you criticize the woman that just did that to me? Why do you criticize her for doing such a good thing? You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. 
what did Jesus mean by that? He knows his time on the earth physically is coming to a close. She has poured the perfume to prepare me my body for burial. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, wherever the good news is preached, like at Meadows Church in the Omaha area, wherever the good news is preached, throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. And they are being remembered, and they are being discussed, and lives are going to be changed. I'm telling you, this, this scripture, every time it's preached, prophecy is being fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He said it. When this, when this story is shared, when this story is shared and remembered, the good news is preached, lives are changed. The first thing I want you to know if you're taking notes, what we value determines what we do. Okay? I'm going to say that again. What you value determines what you do. The woman that busted in and, and dumped that all over Jesus' head, we don't even have to even talk to her to know what she values. She showed us. She values Jesus above all else. Like Jesus, she didn't care what anybody said. She didn't care what anybody thought. She said, I'm busting in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the most extravagant, extravagant gift I can give. She busts in there because what she values determines what she does. But, but, but okay, let me get vulnerable with you. Many times in my life, I'll say I value something, but I don't, I'm not backing it up with action. I don't know if you've, you fall into that category. You know, many times we can say things like if someone says, what matters to you the most? You, you might think, well, family matters to me the most. My family means the most to me. My, 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 my kids, all that. But let me say, if you spend more time at work building your career or at doing your hobbies or, or building your kingdom than you do with your family, then, then what you're, it doesn't matter what we declare. I've said this before. It matters what we demonstrate. It doesn't matter what we declare. It matters what we demonstrate. This woman demonstrates, uh, can I take you back to Christmas for a second? L that wasn't all that long ago, was it? I mean, and, if, and, and why do we just celebrate once a, once a year? I mean, shouldn't we be celebrating the birth of the king every week and every day? I'm telling you, for what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for you, we preached a message on Christmas. It was about the three wise men. And so the three wise men, what you value determines what you do. We know what they value. They traveled for months and months and months to get to a, a child, a, a Christ one, an anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, the King. They traveled for months, over a thousand miles. We don't have to ask them what they value. They're showing it. And then when they get there, this is what Scripture says in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 11. It says, on coming to the house, the wise men saw a child with his mom, with Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped. What you value determines what you do. Well, they valued the king of king and lord of lords. They immediately bowed down and they immediately worship the king, th this child. But it doesn't stop there. Check this out. Then they opened treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the most valuable things in the world at that time. And they lavish it at the feet of Jesus because what they value. So what they're saying there, Jesus, you're everything. I mean, I know this stuff is worth a lot, and I know that perfume is worth a year's worth of wages that that woman did, but you're more than that. You're everything to me. What you value determines what you do. And what people miss sometimes is when we give Jesus our best, when we give Jesus our best, Jesus blesses it. Like, he blesses that. You might think, well, what do you mean? Well, look at the wise men. They're quickly blessed by God. God's like, oh my gosh, those men are traveling a long way to see my son. 
Oh my gosh, those guys are, they're, they're going through the desert. They're going through thieves and, 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 and the elements and they're going and they get there and, they, and, they, and then they bow down and worship my son and they give to my son and they do all these things. And, 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 and here's what happened. The, uh, an angel came to the wise men and said, hey, I see you just worship my son. You did all these things. I tell you what, go a different way. The way that you're going to go is dangerous. The way that you're going to go is, is going to get you hurt. It's going to be bad. Go this way. So God blesses them and gives them direction and gives them guidance, and they go a different way. That's why we titled the message at Christmas, you'll leave different than when you came, just like you today, just like today. My prayer for you is you're going to leave different than when you came. But what you value determines what you do, and God, when you do, when you give God your best, he will bless it. Like, I, like, that's why when, when, when Casey talks about our kids' ministry, which is our most in, incredible ministry, it's awesome. Like, we believe we pour into those kids, and we love them like Jesus loves them. God is going to bless those families. God is going to bless those kids. We love that. When, we talk, when I talk about, like, giving back to the church financially, I know some people get tense about that. You don't need to. I could care less. And I, there's vases back there. If you need money, take money out of them. I, could, I don't care. Don't care about that. I always put your defenses down. But I do preach God's word and tell you that he says tithe. You tithe, you give to me. And I'm not talking prosperity like he's going to rain money down. That's not what he says. Blessings are way bigger than money. We think money because that's what we wrap our heads around a lot. That's what we value. That's what we hold on to. That's what Jesus talked about more than anything else. That's Because that, he, knows, he knows how we think. But, but that's blessings beyond you can imagine in your family, with your kids, in your career, in your marriage. They, God blesses when we give our best. And that's why I talk about when you give back to God, the tithe means 10%. You return 10% to God, he blesses the rest. And I always tell people, I never understood it until I did it. They said, Monty, you give 10%, he blesses the 90%, and then the 90 goes farther than the 100 if you kept it. Because he can't bless it over here, you're not being obedient. And that's why I say it's not because God needs your money. He's God. He owns the cattle and the hills that the cattle stand on. Okay? He wants to bless you. And, and I didn't, I could not get it until I did it. That's, that's even a side note. But I'll give you a quick illustration since I'm on that about giving your best and honoring God with our best. Like the wise men did. Like that woman who busted in and dumped that all over Jesus like, like she did. Um, let's, talk, uh, let's talk Christian chicken for a second. Can we? Christian chicken. Say Christian chicken. You're like, why did I just say that? I'll tell you why you just said that. Because in the fast food industry, there's every restaurant in the fast food industry is open seven days a week, except one. And you know which one it is, right? Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. You got to love it. See, when you, eat at, when you eat at Chick-fil-A, you actually lose weight. Okay, that's not true. Don't believe that. Don't believe everything your pastor says. So anyway, but, but it's... it's, it's Chick-fil-A is known for their Christian values. And they just believe that if we honor God like, like with what his word says, we just believe he'll bless it. And, 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 we, and it's way bigger than financial. But, but let me just give you some, some tangible stuff so it's, you know it's not just me up here saying this. I'll give you this example. They're closed on Sunday. You know, they're, they're, what they're honoring there is a Sabbath day. That's what Jesus says. You, you take a day off to rest and worship. So that's what they do. Now, the world would look at that and think, that's insane. Do you know why it's so insane for the fast food industry? Because the number one grossing day of the week, Sunday. It's the number one grossing day of the week revenue-wise. So any business leader, any CEO is going to look at that and think, you are insane. That is the dumbest thing you can do. But while they're running their fast food restaurants 24-7, seven days a week, Chick-fil-A isn't 24-7. Chick-fil-A isn't seven days a week. They're six days a week. And they choose to be closed on the number one most profitable, profitable day of the week. 
The average fast food restaurant grosses a million dollars a year. Chick-fil-A grosses $5 million a year. I'm telling you, when we do things God's way, God blesses it. His math doesn't make sense. And, and the reason I say all that is because what we value determines what we do. And God says, if you value me above all else, I will rock your world. I will do things that only I can do. And we look at God and we wonder why we're not blessed in areas of our life. It's because we're not doing what God has us to do. It's so key. It is so key. i got to get back to the scripture. That woman. Let's go back to the woman. I get off track. That woman. That woman that busted in. Remember her? That's crazy, isn't it? They're, like, I always think to myself, um, in fact, say there's more to the story. There really is more to that story. Did you know that? So you know what's crazy about the Gospels? The Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus' life. The Gospels, you get a lot of the same stories because the guys saw it, and they're writing it down, and John's writing it down, and Matthew's writing it down. But you're getting it from different angles. Like Matthew's looking at it from his perspective, and John's over here looking at it from his perspective, and they write what they see, and they're writing it, and nothing contradicts, but it's crazy because you're seeing different things. So if I look at this story about the woman and the perfume, if I look at John's gospel, he tells the same story, but he gives more detail. Check it out. It's um, John 12. Verses 2 and 3. Same story, more detail. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. He's at the home of Simon. Remember the leper who's no longer a leper. Martha. Now we know somebody in the story. Martha served the meal. Lazarus, Martha's brother, was there. He ate with them. Then Mary. Say Mary. 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 The woman, the anonymous woman in Matthew, is an anonymous in John. Then Mary, look at that. God is so good. Give it up for God. Devil, you ain't got nothing on us. That's awesome. We're going to go back to that Elmo picture later. You got to see it. Um, so uh, it's funny. <laughs> now I'm really off track. So, so, so here's John giving the gospel. And now we know the woman is Mary. Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. Now we know what the particular fragrance is. She anointed Jesus' feet with it. Isn't that interesting? Matthew said the head. Jesus, or uh, John says the feet. So we know this woman anointed Jesus head to toe. Head to toe, the, 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 the head, the feet. And then he gives more detail. The woman's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, which is, which is scandalous at the time that a woman would come in, a Jewish woman would bust in and let her hair down. They would never do that in Jesus' day. They, would, they never would let their hair down. She let her hair down. She didn't care. What I'm saying is she doesn't care. I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the, the religious people say. I don't care what you talk about me. You can look at me. You can tweet about me. You can post about me. I love my Jesus, and I will give him my very best. That's what she says, and she does it, and she doesn't care. I love that, wiping it. And it says the house was filled with fragrance. You know what's so, what's so awesome about that statement? When you give your best to God, it impacts other people. Did you know that? When you give your best, you do things with excellence. Fragrance. It fills the room, and others get to enjoy what you did. And when they do something excellent, you'll enjoy what they did because God's a great gift giver, and he loves giving gifts to his children, and he loves giving blessings. This is so awesome. 
So we look at the story in two Gospels, but I want it kind of like a movie that kind of goes backwards, like a Tarantino movie where they get all weird. Um, this, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, okay? So that was John 12. We've heard that story from two different angles, but I want to take you to John 11 because what, what you need to understand is the woman, Mary, we know her name. We know what she did. We know she did this extravagant thing, but why is she doing it? Like, what's happened in Mary's life? What gets, her, what gets you to the point where you want to give Jesus all you got? What gets you to the point where you want to read his word? You want to serve him? You want to love him? You want to stop living like the world lives? You want to start living like Jesus said to live? What makes someone do that? We get a key if we go right before the meal. Because right before the meal, right before uh, Jesus eats with Simon the leper and Mary and Martha and Lazarus, something happened right before that. And of course, what comes before John 12? John 11, yeah, that wasn't a tough question, was it? John 11. So we go to John 11, and I'll set it up. Mary and Martha have sent a note to Jesus. They've sent a note saying, Lazarus, our brother, one of your best friends, Jesus, he's sick. He's very sick. Like, it's, it's not just influenza A this time. It's like influenza D, like he's dying sick. It's not good. But Jesus' response, look, look at this. John eleven twenty. 20. Excuse me, John eleven five. 5. They send the note. And listen to what this says. This is crazy. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. What? Jesus is, or Lazarus is one of your best friends. Those two sisters, you love them. You've been to their house before. We know that from scripture. You're, gonna hang, you're only a couple miles from where they are and you're going to hang out there? Have you ever, you ever prayed to God and thought, God, you're not, I, I don't even know if you're there. Like, God, are you even real right now? I believe in you all my life, but I say that I've been praying the same prayer over and over and over and over. I've had this in my life, I'll tell you that. And some days I feel like I still have it. I hope you don't leave me hanging. Maybe you're with me. But I'm like, God, I'm not praying a bad thing. I'm not praying a selfish thing. They're sick, and I'm asking that they're healed. They're hurting, and I'm asking that it gets better. My family is going this way, and I'm praying to God that I know you want good for my family. I know you want good. God, are you listening? Do you hear me? Are you listening to me? And I cry out to God and I wonder, God, are you there? And I would say to you, if you're in that boat like I've been in that boat, don't you give up. You keep praying because your father is listening and your father hears your prayers. And what you need to understand is, God, he may not be doing something for you, but that's because he's trying to do something in you many times in life. That's what I find in my life. Like, so don't give up. He hears your prayers, but there's more to the story. Say there's more to the story. There's more to the story. There's more to the story, but they didn't get it. All they know is I called on the Lord, and they believe Jesus is God's son. They believed it, and he ain't nowhere to be found. And my brother's dead. Well, he is. I gave it away, but I'll tell you here in a second. It says in John eleven twenty. well, Jesus finally, before that, it says Jesus finally decides to show up. Lazarus has already been dead. By the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead four days. Four days. So Jesus took his sweet time. Four days their brother has been dead. John eleven twenty. Then Martha heard that Jesus was coming. Oh, yay. Too little, too late, Jesus. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. I find that interesting. Martha went out to meet Jesus, but I, I wonder, and I, the Bible doesn't say this, so this is just me talking right now, but I wonder if Mary's like, screw it. I ain't going. Oh, you want me to go out and meet you, Jesus? I sent you a message a while back. I didn't hear back. Oh, my brother's dead. I think I'll just sit here. Martha, you go talk to him if you want. I'm not talking to him. That's just, I don't know. I wonder if she's mad at God. Some of you walked in here and you might be mad at God for something that's going on in your life. 
or in a relationship or in a job. It's okay to be mad at God. He's okay with it, but, but don't hold that grudge because God loves you. God has good for you. God never does anything to harm you. He will allow things that will refine you and, and test you, but he doesn't purposely put you in a situation to harm you. God does not do that. God is not like that. And if you came in here thinking that's the case, maybe that's the word that God wanted you to hear. And you just need to know that. But Mary's mad. I, th- I think Mary's mad. She's like, no, you go talk to him. I'm not going. So, so John eleven twenty one 21 through 24, Martha's talking. Martha goes out and meets him. She's like, Lord, calls him Lord. That's interesting. And, it, and, it's, and it's key. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But listen to what she says. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha is exhibiting incredible faith right here. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha's thinking after life, she's thinking, okay, that's great, that's going to be heaven. Martha says, I know he's going to rise again, Father, but in the resurrection, like in the last day, and then Jesus just throws it out there. Jesus said to her, listen, I am the resurrection, I am the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he said to her, Martha, do you believe this? I am the way, I am the truth. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I wonder if anybody in this place believes any of that today. If you do, you should probably give God a little bit of praise because those things are true. He loves you. He loves you. He loved Martha. He's telling her, and she responds just like many of you do. She says, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. My brother's still dead, but I believe. Say faith. Faith. Faith, when you cannot see how God is working in your life, you're like, God, I don't get it. I would never ask for this. When you can't see God working in your life and you have the audacity to trust him, your faith will grow. Martha's faith is growing. And check out what she does. This is what she does. Martha goes, it says in verse, I think it's 28, it says, after she had, after she had said this, She went back to go get Mary. Remember, Mary's still gone. Mary didn't go meet Jesus. She goes back to get Mary. The teacher is here, she said. And he's asking for you, Mary. I love this. Remember when I said it's okay? You get mad at God. You can be angry at God. It's okay. He's not going to leave you. You can be mad at him. But but watch this. Watch Watch how she responds. The teacher's here, Mary. The teacher's here. And he's asking for you. In other words, Mary, God knows you're mad at him. God knows you're ticked at him but he wants you. He's drawing you in. He loves you. He's asking for you. And Mary hears the love in Martha's voice. And listen to this. Listen to what she does. I love how she responds. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly. I love the word quickly. Some translations say immediately. Like she hears the father calling. She's mad. And she's like, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm going to sulk. I'm going to be mad. And Martha says, he loves you. He's asking for you again. He wants to see you. But Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Come. And she gets up quickly. And she goes and she goes to Jesus. And it says when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. And she falls to the feet of Jesus. Every time Mary met Jesus in scripture, every time, three times it happened. Every time she's at his feet. Every time she falls at the feet of Jesus. She falls at his feet. And listen to what she says. Lord. The first thing she says, Lord, all the struggle 
all the sadness, not returning my calls, Jesus, not caring about Lazarus, Jesus, and she calls him Lord. She might be mad, but she didn't give up on her God. Don't you give up on your God. He will never give up on you, I promise you. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus, my brother, wouldn't have died. Say, Lord, Lord, Messiah, King, Jesus. And Jesus says, Jesus basically, I, I paraphrase this, Jesus at that point um, looks around, at, he looks at Mary, he looks at people around, and they're weeping and they're hurting. And the Bible says Jesus looks at them and he has tremendous sadness. Like what, what you need to understand about your Jesus is he came, when he came to earth, he, he gave up divine rights and he has these feelings and these emotions and he got angry and he, he did things. He flipped up some tables. He got mad. He did things. He gets you when you're hurting. He gets you when you're mad. He gets you when you're crying. And when you hurt, he hurts. And the Bible says Jesus wept. He wept. It says he was even indignant himself. He was so upset. He hates death. That's why he came, to overthrow it, to overcome it, to defeat it. It's exactly what he did. We just need to receive it. So Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says the dead man came out. Four days, four days, 96 hours in a tomb. Probably starting to decay. And he stands up and he walks out. This is a miracle. And, and I'll tell you, that the, what I just read there, that event, that really got the ball rolling towards the death of Jesus Christ. Because that event, Jesus raising this dead man, it spread like wildfire. And you can, it, it's a miracle. And the religious leaders, it's so crazy how religious people, that's why I say we're not in some religious organization, could care less about religion. Could care less. Jesus, Jesus wasn't religious. Jesus was relational. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But the religious people, they missed the greatest miracle. Jesus, or Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive, and, and they're mad. And that's what set the ball in motion for them to go crazy, gather together, and say, we got to kill him. But he, he, he brought a guy to life. We got to kill him. They missed the miracle because they're so into their religion. It's absolutely insane. But, but, but this gives you a picture. We rewind it to John, John 11, and now you see. Don't you see why a woman named Mary would bust in uninhibited, extravagant, excellent, throw her hair down. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. See, it, it starts to make sense when you know the whole story. I'm telling somebody, Mary experienced something. See, when you experience, like, the power of Jesus firsthand. So when you witness a life change, I don't know if you've seen one before, but when you see it, you'll know it. When you witness a life change right before your eyes, when you see something that was dead brought back to life, you will bring God your very best because he deserves it. Give him some praise. He deserves an excellent praise. You can put your hands together. You can get loud. It's okay. It's okay. He loves you. He's good. And he's God. And he's in this place. God, Mary was changed. Her brother was dead and he's alive. And I don't care who knows it. God, I'll give you my best. That's what when people say, when you start doing crazy things that followers of Jesus will do, people are going to look at you a little weird. Like, what are you letting your hair down for? Like, what are you, what are you pouring that stuff all over that person for? They're going to look at you weird. When you start coming to church and making a priority every week, that's, that's different than what our culture says to do. When you say God's word is your authority and you actually read it, that's different than what the culture tells you to do. When you, if you ever do return back to God or you start tithing, well, you're giving 10% of your income back to the church? 
that's going to be different. That's going to look weird to other people. Who cares? I don't care what other people think. I care what God thinks. And that's what Mary cared, Mary cared about. And God changed her life. She didn't care. I wrote down, Mary's extravagance encourages you and I to love and serve Jesus with our very best. It does me. It does me. I, I want to give God everything. When I, when I hear stories like this and I read stories like that, but even above that, when I look at what Jesus has done for me in my life, I'm telling you, when you go from a, a, a drug addict who's, who's destroyed lives and hit it in marriage and hit it in family and hit it with friends, and he delivers you from a, 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 an abyss, a hole, like I said, when you, a, a dead man brought back to life. I was a Lazarus. I don't know where you've been in your life. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'm telling you, there's pieces of you, I bet, that feel dead inside or have before. Jesus can resurrect them. Jesus can make them new. It's what he's in the business of doing. It's what we saw him do today. This is absolutely incredible. We will give God our best. So as I close out the message, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll personalize and I'll tell you that Meadows, some of you are brand new. I'm so glad that you're here. We get new people every week. God's hand is on the church. Not because of anything I'm doing, I'll tell you that. If anything, I will, he's, despite what I do, God blesses it. But I'll give you God's word boldly, and I'll preach in a way that I hope you get and understand and that you can apply to your family, your children, your friends, your work, your life, so you might have hope. Say hope. If there's one word that would describe our church, it is hope. And God's hand is doing something supernatural. So we're growing exponentially right now, which is awesome. And, uh, and, and God is doing great things. Did, did Casey share that five people gave their life to Christ last weekend? He probably did, but give God some praise for that. We will never stop sharing stories of life change. Never will. We never will. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. You might be thinking, what's my purpose? You keep stepping in, and I promise you God's going to reveal it. I promise you. I'll share one of them right now. It's to be like the woman. It's to be like Mary. It's to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you everything. It's what she did. So we talk about excellence. What's excellence look like at Meadows Church? Um, I hope from the time you pulled in the parking lot to the time that you leave, you experience the love of Jesus and you know that you matter to us and that you know that you're not just a number, but you have a name and you have a story and you matter to God. That's what I want you to know. So our goal, we've shared a goal that we want to get to two services so we can uh, obviously have more service times, more opportunities to reach more people, give them more options. But even bigger than that, our culture for our church, I'll get real, I'll get real. So I've gone to church all my life. I grew up in the church. And I love the church. I never really fell in love with it until it changed my life through Christ. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it was God's bride. I didn't understand that this is his plan to save his people. You are. Not this building. Not some, not some structure. You're the church. People are the church. And, I, and, and God is, so we want to get to these two services because we want more options for people. And I also want opportunities for you. The culture of our church is that as you come, God's going to start doing something in you. And as he changes your heart like he changed Mary's heart, that you would start, you'd want to start giving it away that you would want to start get filled up and take it in, and then you can pour it out. We can attend a service, and then we can, then we can serve a service. That's what we want. That's, that's who we are as a church. And you might be thinking, well, I really don't want to serve anywhere. You probably won't be comfortable here for very long. I'm just, I love you, and I want you here. And you, if you're new, keep coming, soak it in. I'm not saying jump in this instant, but I'm telling you, God, God's love draws you to serve. The, the, Matthew 20, 28, I don't have this in the notes, but it says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. 
That's why Jesus came. And if Jesus came to serve, I'm gonna serve. And when I gave my life to Christ at a church called Celebrate in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, almost 12 years ago, the first thing I did is call the church on Monday and said, I gotta do something, I don't know what's happening. And they pointed me to the kids' ministry where I served for three years, week in and week out, changed my life. It changed my life. I thought I was going there to serve the kids. They served me. God ministered to me. I'd be watching Bible stories of the preschoolers. I'm like, dang, that happened in the Bible? I'm like, God, I didn't know the Bible that well. I, didn't, I had a Bible, just didn't open it. We call our, our, our serving teams dream teams. You got a dream team card. Some of you are on dream teams. Some of you are going to be. This is what I know. I want to challenge you to reach more people, and we exist to reach people. People in our area, people here are hurting. They're addicted. They're, they're suicidal. They don't have hope. Not everybody, but I'm just telling you. We, I know that this is a great place to live. I know the Midwest is awesome, but trust me, my life looked pretty awesome too on the outside. I was a dead person on the inside. Depression, I still struggle with it. Anxiety, people need hope. They need, and at the center, at the core, say core, core, Jesus Christ. He's the answer. That's why I will, I will, I, we will do anything short of sin to lead somebody to Jesus, anything. But it takes people to reach people. And I know that as we grow, and I'm like, God, I am never going to ask you to stop growing the church. That would be insanity. God doesn't want to stop growing anything that's healthy. But we need people to reach more people. So if we double services, which we're going to do, we said Easter was our goal. It's going to happen before Easter. The place is already full. And, and people invite less when it seems full. They're like, ah, oh, there's no room. I'm not going to invite. I'm telling you, we, we're, we're going to double the service. And it's going to happen soon. But we just, we, I'm really asking that you, that God will work in your heart and that you might be willing just to say, okay, I'll ask about what a dream team looks like. So if you, you know, fill out a card, if God prompts you to do that, we'll call you. There's no, there's no commitment. We don't sign up for any amount of time. We just say, if God's called you to it, he'll see you through it. He'll, he'll equip you. We'll train you. But if God lays that on your heart today and you want to be part of maybe not just coming, but, but, but be the church. And, and if you're, if you're newer, I don't want you to feel any pressure. I'm like, soak it in for a while. Find out if this is your home. But we boldly preach God's word. We boldly call people to action. I sat in a church all my life and, and took all I did. Didn't even do that. I wasn't even hardly listening. But I just sat. I thought church is a place. They're going to come feed me. They're going to come give me the word. And then I'm going to go out. My life didn't change. I was still the same jack wagon I always was. But I was, I was at church. I checked it off the box. I don't want to live that way. Life is too short. People are dying and going to hell. And the only way, and if you don't know, if you don't know the way I already told you earlier, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It's through a relationship with Jesus. So maybe if somebody walked in here, you're like, what does that even mean? I didn't know. 12, I had no clue what that meant. I'm like, what do you mean saved? This is what it means. The gospel of Jesus, it's, it, you're, you're hearing it. Jesus Christ, God sent his son to earth to die on a cross. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because he loves us. Because we're sinners, we mess up. I'm your pastor and I still sin. Thank God, less than I used to, but I still mess up sometimes. I need the grace of God. I need the love of God. I need the mercy of God. And he wants to give it to you. People walk around with shame and guilt. You don't have to live that way anymore. God, he bore, he bore the burden. So Jesus died on a cross. Three days later, he would rise from the dead. Like he brought Lazarus from the dead, he brought himself from the dead. The people will ask me, well, why, do you, why are you a Christian? Why is it? I'm telling you. 
if, if a man can, can, can die and bring himself back to life, I'm going to follow that guy. That's all I know. I'm following him. Because no one else in history has ever done it. Nobody. Nobody. I don't care, you Confucius, Allah, it don't matter. They're dead. Jesus is alive. So I will point you to him. And maybe you've never made the commitment like, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose for me. I'm a sinner and I want to be saved by God's grace through faith. There's nothing you do that will save you. Serving on a dream team won't save you. But if you're saved, I'm trusting you will be compelled to eventually serve on a dream team. Because Jesus Christ changes people. He does. I used to watch all kinds of movies. There's some movies I can't even watch anymore. Not because I'm good, but because Jesus is doing something. And he'll do it in you too. He'll do it in you too. So the gospel, maybe you never committed your life to Christ. You, maybe you've grown up in an environment where we didn't talk like that. And it's like, I don't know what it means to be saved. The Bible is very clear. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved by faith when you believe. And there's connect cards, there's commitments. If you do nothing else before you leave this place today, if you never committed your life to Christ and you believe that Jesus is God's son, you believe he died for you and rose for you and he's coming back again, mark that box, come up to the prayer team afterwards, let us pray with you and celebrate with you. That's why we're here, to walk with you. Maybe you've gotten off track like I have numerous times, and today's the day you recommit. God, I don't know the, well, everything he's talking about, but I sure like to get back in your word. I would sure like to get your blessings. I would sure like to live a different life. I would sure like to do things different in my life for me and my family. Recommit to Jesus today. Don't leave here until you do that. It's why we're here. We want to walk with you. We want to love you. And for those of you that God is saying, you know what? I'm ready to take a next step. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to get kids ministry, host team, parking lot, trailer. There are so many opportunities online. God is so good to me. He's been so good to me. I thought, how can I stand in the shadow of a bloodstained cross and not give everything to him? I told you the two words I said when I got saved. When the Holy Spirit entered me. I don't even, I didn't even pray a special prayer. I just stood up and said, I'll give my life to this. I said it twice out loud. I give, I'll give my life. Didn't know what it meant. Had no clue I'd ever plan a church or be a pastor. But God. But God. So there's your word of God. I hope it encourages you. I hope you know that God loves you. That he's not mad at you that he sent his son Jesus to cover all your sins and all your shame and all your guilt. So if you're walking with that today, leave it here. You don't have to walk that way anymore. Accept the grace of Jesus Christ and let him make you new. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, for your truth. You are good to us, Mary. Now we know her name, don't we? A woman who we don't know obviously a lot about God, but one thing I do know she was radically changed by a man named Jesus. Radically. So much so that she didn't care what people thought. She didn't care what people said. All she wanted to do was throw herself at the foot of Jesus Christ and, and, and give everything. Give her best. Give excellence. Give extravagance. Give it all. And God, I'm praying for everybody in this place. I don't know all they're going through, but I know that you do. And you love them way more than I ever could. 
God, let them feel your love above anything else today in this message, God. I'm boldly asking in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that they will feel the presence of your love like they've never felt it before. That they know that they have a father in heaven who watches out for them, who, who intercedes for them, who walks with them, who protects them, who guides them, and who wants to bless them in ways they cannot dream or imagine in 2019. God, and for anybody that you know who they are that need to make decisions today, committing their life to you, there's no bigger decision than moving from death to life. That's what you said. I am the resurrection. I am the life. What did you mean? It means that when we give ourselves to you by faith, we are saved. We, we, we will die this side of heaven, but we will live forever with you. And there's nothing better than that. This world is not our home. Our, our home is coming. But while we're here, we want you to use us, God. We're praying that you'll wear us out. I pray you add to our number, not because we're going to be a big church, but we want to praise a big God who is doing amazing things and wants people to come home into your arms and be made new. We love you, Father. We thank you for all that you're doing in your house today, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said.